Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And thank you for joining us on Overcrest, the fastest growing automotive podcast in the world. We're glad that you're here. We have a very special guest, Larry Chen. That's right. A photographer. And I love photographers. He I is love having a creative. very well-known, very successful, accomplished automotive photographer. You have most likely either heard his name or seen his work. You've definitely somewhere. seen his work. You've probably heard his name. And uh, he started out with Formula Drift and Speed Hunters back in the day. And I remember following, you know, what they were doing on Speed Hunters, which was, you know, back in the day you had Speed Hunters and you had Stance Works, right? Those were the, and then you had Canabeat, I think was the other one. You had the three kind of the, the three power hitters of somewhere higher tier than others. But those are the three I can think of. Sure, yeah. And Larry Chen was like, if you look, go to Speed Hunters and search like Larry Chen, it's like 40 pages. Of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like it 40% like this, of their work. It is this huge volume, <laughs> this huge volume of, uh, of work. And he obviously um, does more than that. He does a lot of editorial stuff for the yep. major manufacturers. He's like hooked up with Jay Leno's garage now, yeah, documenting all his stuff. Anyway, great interview. We talk a lot about photography, a lot about uh, process. And I wanted to try and get some tips for the amateur photographer out of, out of Larry to kind of help you guys become better photographers. So uh, I hope you enjoy that. But before we get to the interview, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box, as you guys know, is a monthly subscription service made just for the car guy, the automotive enthusiast like yourself. Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all kind of the latest and greatest new stuff in the automotive industry. They put it together and you're able to get it every month right there on your doorstep. Now, there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, cost less than 20 bucks a month at $19.95, and you have the Petrobox Premium, which gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check those guys out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month's order. All right, guys, here's our interview with Larry Chen. Larry Chen, thanks so much for uh, spending time with us today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So one thing I notice is I've been following you since Speed Hunters, like 2009 or 10 or whatever that was. And I always <clears> see you with other cars with a camera in your hand and shooting and everything like that. But I haven't seen you with your own cars. I don't really know what it is that you drive and what you're into as a, as a car guy. What, what is it? What are you driving around these days? Um, I, I love all types of cars. I am kind of starting to build my car collection. Uh, I guess it's, it's easy to get inspired by, you know, so many of these people that I follow and that I photograph a lot. For example, I am so lucky that I get to uh, photograph uh, Jay Leno's collection all the time, a couple times a month, actually, uh, because uh, you know, we, we try our best to document a lot of the ins and outs, whatever's happening uh, around the garage. And of course, you know, my collection is not uh, even a, a sliver of what Jay has. But for I feel like um, it kind of comes from the same place in that whatever I buy, I buy because I love and it's something that I'll try to keep forever. Well, so, that's the way to do it. You know, the guys that are buying cars should hold on for a little bit. And, oh, I think the speculative value of this is going to go up 6% in the next six months. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I see a lot of people and then, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of friends that love flipping cars and I, I have friends that I see their collection. I see cars that they grab and I'm like, oh, man, that's one I've always wanted. And then 
one week or a month later, they sell it, you know, for a profit or whatever. Yeah. I think to myself, I'm like, man, if I was in that position, I would have just kept it. But, you know, I, I'm everybody has cars or everybody plays with cars or is around cars for a different reason. Sure. I guess for me, it's just cool to see how uh, popular the culture is now more than ever in the history of automotive uh, period. Yeah, it's this interesting time where, um, well, obviously the old cars are getting really, really expensive too, but you can almost buy any part and find anything to fix any car, regardless of what, how old it is. And all this stuff is easily accessible and everything's restorable. It's, it's like this, I really think this is the best time in the history of cars to like cars is right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. I was literally just working um, on a car in my shop here in Southern California. Uh, my neighbor has a 32 Ford and, uh, we're just kind of helping him do some little maintenance things on it. But, uh, one of the things I always like to bring up is like, there's not going to be another 32 Ford, you know, a 32 Ford is a 32 Ford and it's just, you can't recreate that. You know, they made it. And of course, everyone is modified and everyone is, uh, um, catered to their owner. Um, but it, it's just so crazy that in today's age, it's not, they're not going to be as special with these newer cars. Uh, not like back then. Well, that car has been around forever. It's, it's, it's earned it by now, right? Yeah. All it's, yeah. it's earned it. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever see anybody in, you know, 2077 thinking a Tesla earned it. Maybe they will. Maybe <laughs> exactly. they won't. I don't know. Who knows? They, Who knows? You know, that's the thing. And, and a lot of people talk about that, right? That's such a big topic is the future classics, right? There's certain cars that even come out today potential that have the potential to be a future classic, right? Like, for example, without a doubt, the new Ford GT is definitely going to be a future classic. Yeah. Just by that, even that, the fact that there is even isn't it's a great car, but there also isn't that many of them. And it was restricted sales and everything like that. Yeah, but that was just destined to become a classic versus you got something like a 32 Ford or a Datsun 510 or a FDR X7. They were never meant to become greater. Right. You know, they were just of their time. And then over time, they happened to become amazing. Right. They were just dudes in tweed suits and suitcases going to work. You know, that's that's what they did <laughs> yeah. in the 70s. And that's that's what they were for. Yeah, pretty much. So what came first for you, cars or photography? Mm. Definitely, without a doubt, it was cars first. Uh, photography, a lot of people ask me, you know, if it was one thing or the other, if you had to give up one thing, I would definitely say I'd have to give up photography. Cars, it's just something else. It's just something different. It's, it's, uh, I guess it's the, it's the root. It's like the base for so many things in life. It's transportation. It's freedom. It's art, it's beauty, it's just emotional. Photography, yeah, you know, the fact that you could capture so many things and you part of it with photography that I find more and more recently, you know, as I grow older is that you, when you're actually doing it, when you're actually capturing the moments, you're not actually living the moments uh, yourself. You know, you're just there as as somebody operating this machine to capture actually what's happening. So, but with cars, like I remember all the times I'm driving a car or I go on some epic drive or I get to race this epic race or I was in this drag race or whatever, you know, these things I'm living uh, for myself and I get to replay them in my mind all the time. And it's just, 
that's what I live for. It's interesting. It's if you have two different ways of shooting I'm, I'm a photographer too, and <laughs> you can shoot for others and you're doing work for others and you can shoot for yourself and they have two completely different feels when you're doing it. Cause when you can shoot for yourself, that becomes part of what you remember is the shooting and the creating. Sometimes when you shoot for other people, it's work and it, it gets kind of, you know, you get kind of lost in it a little bit and then the, you don't really pay attention to what you're doing and you don't get to experience it. Like you said, but when you get to shoot for yourself, it can be special. Yes, that's different too. And I find that I'm just so lucky in that I've been in the industry long enough where it seems like more and more people are hiring me just to shoot for myself. And that's the nice thing about it. And, you know, before we started recording, we're kind of mentioning the the fact that I'm shooting so much and part of it is because it doesn't really feel like work. Yeah, it's it's long hours. It's hard on my body. It's hard on my soul, all of that. But when I'm actually in the moment and when I'm actually firing away at that shutter, uh, when I'm actually out there you know, smelling the cars, seeing the cars, feeling it and experiencing it, it's time goes by so fast. And uh, I find myself all the time when I come home, I just have to just sit. And just stare at a blank wall because I think to myself, I'm like, literally time is going too fast. And and these cool things are happening uh, and I'm capturing them uh, and I have photos to show for them. But it's like the weekend just passed by in a quick blur because it's it was just nonstop action. Yeah, you never stop moving. That's for sure. Like I've shot Daytona, like some of the vintage racing and stuff. And it's like the whole weekend is just it's gone. It like vaporizes and you find yourself on a plane home. Just yeah, yeah. So what did you? Yeah. What was the first thing you ever got paid to do? Like the first paying gig where you're like, wow, they just gave me you know three hundred dollars to do this or five hundred, whatever it was. <laughs> you know what was that? Uh, I think the first time that I really started getting paid was when I was religiously following the Formula Drift series, and um, I guess I kind of got a couple people. Uh, I guess whoever mattered at the time, you know, I, I got their attention and it wasn't even that much money, but it was just the fact that there was even any transaction going on. As you probably know, so many people just try to get into it and they, they, they pay their way to get in. Right. Right. They, 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 it's such an exclusive thing. You essentially will have to pay your way to travel. you pay your way to get in and you, um, also, uh, give away your stuff for yeah, you give away free or for almost nothing. Right. Yeah. It's and your labor. It's your part, time. They give it away. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, in the beginning it was partially because there was this kind of, this sort of job didn't really exist. Editorial. Yeah. It was a thing. And back then when I started magazines were still super big, they had their staff photographers, you know, th there wasn't really a way to, break into the industry until you started making a name for yourself. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to save up my money and I'm going to actually uh, just show up to these events and start creating as much content as possible. And lucky for me, you know, the right people, I guess, took notice. And then I started getting paid legitimately like $50 right. for, for like a day of shooting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember some of the magazines I shot for back then, like Eurotuner and PVW yeah. and, and Super Street and stuff like that. It was, I mean, it was nothing. It was just pennies, but you were happy to get something and be recognized for what you're doing. 
Exactly. Yeah. Even if it was a meal, they pay for your gas and, and you know, you actually get to go to the event. It, it was a big deal back then. And, you know, also another thing is there wasn't that many events to go to even. Uh, I feel like you forums. Yeah, there were forums. There wasn't really social media. You know, maybe there was uh, MySpace or whatever, but <laughs> it, it didn't really work the same as, as it is now. You know, now there's events every single weekend all across the globe, all across the U.S., in every major city, you know, there's too many to go to. For example, just this weekend, uh, I already committed to one thing on Sunday, but I've just been getting pulled every which way from other people holding events. And I'm like, oh man, I just, there's just not enough weekends. You know, there's just not enough time. You do one thing Saturday in the morning, then you can do something in the afternoon and then Sunday, forget about it. You know, that's like the cars and coffee day. Well, I have the solution for you. The solution is to move to Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> where nothing's happens and six months out of the year, you're buried under ice. That's, that would, that would solve that issue for you. <laughs> well, I guess that would only solve it for half the year because I know uh, when you guys come out of winter, it's like we make up that. for it. It's <laughs> on. It's on. Yeah. So you guys definitely make up for it. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about process and photography, and maybe you can advise some of the listeners as as to what works for you. Um, what is the fundamental foundation of a good photo? Just generally speaking, what makes a, a, a photo or an image good? Mm, I think um, that kind of goes back to the what what I say to people. You know, I I get uh, direct messages uh, pretty much on the daily about how they get into car photography or how they can improve their car photography. I just really uh, the simplest way to explain it is you just have to shoot where you love, follow what you love, and kind of present what you love, right? So if you're into a certain type of car or certain type of racing, um, let's say you're into pit, pit bike racing, or I don't know, lawnmower racing, or whatever, <laughs> low riders, you know, anything goes. If you're into it, that means you know the ins and outs of this subject better than the other person, you know? Right. It, it could be anything. Um, and then with that said, you kind of have like the edge on somebody like me if I just came into lawnmower racing i kind of know what is cool from lawnmower racing yeah a lawnmower uh, doing imagine. a wheelie has got to be pretty cool. exactly yeah <laughs> i would imagine that's cool but there's just certain things that you you know or or certain key players or or the best lawnmower or whatever you know there's just certain things that you know better than everyone else and then you got to showcase that and potentially if you like it because you know this thing and, and you want to showcase it in its best light, then that's when you can present it to the public. Uh, you could present it on social media and it, it, then that's when it's like a good picture. Right. And you, you can, know? you can put yourself, if you know it, you, it, you're not getting lucky. Like I can show up to like something that I've never done before and get lucky because I'm technically a good photographer. But if you know it, you know how to be in the right place at the right time. You know what's going on and you can put yourself in a spot where it's not luck. Exactly. Yeah. And it could even be simple as like, oh, I know this track or I've been to this track. I know they go off here and it's like, all right, well, well, I'm going to go to that corner because guess what? They're going to go off there and it's going to be a spectacular photo versus some noob that just comes in that doesn't actually know. And, and it could be something as simple as like with car shows, 
I'll go I'll go early and I know two, three streets down, people are gonna pull in and then it's gonna be like the sunrise and they're they're actually gonna be on the street and it's gonna be good light. And there's just so many things that I potentially have a advantage over someone who just shows up on time and all the cars are already parked and they're not running and they're not on the street. They're not in traffic and it's boring if it's just parked next to other cars, you know, there's, it's just, there's always a certain edge that you can go on. And again, on the flip side, stay longer, stay late when they're actually peeling out when they're, when they're leaving, that's during sunset. And it's like, okay, all right, it's during the good light again. And then guess what? It's a, it's a solo car leaving, you know, on the freeway or, or on the street. And it's just, that's something completely different than all these other photographers got throughout the whole day of just going to the car show. And it's just a bunch of dudes sitting in lawn chairs next to their cars, you know? So speaking of lighting, obviously sunrise, sunset, we love that. And magic time, <laughs> golden hour. But sometimes we have to deal with non-optimal lighting and tough, and not even lighting, but tough environmental situations. Maybe you don't like where you're mm. shooting. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. like the background. It's 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 not what you thought it would be. How do you deal with you know those situations? Yeah, I think there's always a way to shoot around certain things. Um, I, I think so much of that just comes down to experience. You know, the more you do it, the more you potentially could uh extract better pictures out of a certain situation right so like if it's something where it's too busy too many people around it's super crowded you could do a couple things you know you could just focus on detail shots you could focus on texture you could break out your macro photography skills uh you could shoot interiors you could incorporate the crowd and that's like a one thing that I love doing so much, I pride myself in being able to do, especially when I shoot very, very crowded things. I, I try my best to incorporate the crowd, even to the point where I will things to happen, right? Like I will, like I'll sit somewhere and I'll just wait and I'll, I, I will, will, hey, maybe there's going to be a guy with a stroller and it's going to be a kid and it's going to be such a cool scene because it's like, like it, it just looks right for whatever reason. I or find myself it, doing that in the pits sometimes. I'm like, yeah, that yeah. I needs to you, come you, over here and put that wheel on. Come on, put the wheel just, on right there. Just, <laughs> exactly. And that's so comes so much from experience where it could potentially even be something where I remember I go to show sometimes where it's so crowded and I just see a car far in the distance. And I know, look, if I stay here for five minutes, potentially the crowd will part just in a, such a perfect way where it, creates a natural frame mm-hmm. and for, I think for what, the car. I think what you guys are describing, because I, Larry, I'm not a photographer, but mm-hmm. what you're talking about is capturing a moment rather than just an object, right? When you're talking yes. about the kid with his eyes lighting up or yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. the pit lane where they're actually working on something. And I think that what makes a good photo, at least in my not professional opinion, is showing a moment or capturing that moment. Yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing to me now is more than ever now, you know, before I was saying that car culture is so prevalent and it's so big and uh, more people are into it than ever. um, In addition to that, more people are into good photography and uh, content than ever. You know, people consume how many photographs a day now? Oh, thousands. Just (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, just scrolling through your Facebook or Instagram feed, how many have you seen? Or if you go on Reddit or or anything with any media, you know, you're, you're just getting fed all of this good stuff, never ending stream of good stuff. And honestly, people like myself, I just I don't even have enough time to capture it. Like, I wish I had more time to capture more stuff for people to enjoy. So what's your process for scouting locations? When you're going to go shoot a car somewhere or, you know, you've got a, something you got to do for a, for a commercial shoot or something like that, not show related, what do you do when you're looking for a location? What matters to you? That is such a good question. I can't even <laughs> emphasize how good a question that is because, um, as you probably could imagine, and since uh, you guys have seen my work before, we don't do any Photoshopping in that we don't like take the cars and put them certain places. You know, when we're actually photographing these cars, they're actually at the location. Uh, and part of it that is showing the realism, showing the um, difficulty, right? So recently I had a, a shoot where I uh, took my, um, I was with my buddy, uh, Ryan Literal. He's a Formula Drift driver, and he actually took his Formula Drift um, car through the streets of Chicago at night. And we did like a whole shoot uh, where it's, this crazy, you know, 800, 900 horsepower Formula Drift car with fuel cell, full cage, all of that. And uh, he has like a follow truck that's basically ready to put, you know, race gas into it when it runs out of fuel because it has such a small uh, fuel cell. We, we, like we actually went out to do that because it's too easy just to park it in some parking lot, take some pictures of it and then Photoshop it into the uh, uh, Chicago night background. That, really, yeah, that kind of stuff bugs me, man. Like I look at brochures for manufacturers and I go, that never happened. And it just, <laughs> yeah. and it really bothers me. I'm like, oh, you can use virtual rig. Nice job. Good for you. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't do it for me as a photography. It's, it's more illustration than it is photography. Yeah. And you potentially could fake the funk, especially what we did, but why would you do that? You know, and plus how many thousands of dollars could, would it cost to do that? We actually did it and it cost us nothing. You know, we actually drove this crazy drift car on the streets legally. I mean, I guess legally air quotes. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, we went in and out downtown where they shot Batman under the city. Um, you know, that whole Gotham city vibe. We did everything. We did so many shots and I ended up with a full set, maybe of a hundred usable shots. And we ended up with a, a great video that I think it has 400,000 views now. And it, Part of that is we, we pride ourselves in actually being able to get these locations. And it starts with something so simple. It just starts with a couple things. It starts with us driving around these locations uh, pre-shoot. And it could be months. It could be even years in advance to the point where we would just drive just to see cool locations. And we would mark them on our map. Or it could be even us just spending time on Google looking around and seeing, okay, this is a dead end road, or this is a, some abandoned building here. The little or yellow Google is... guy that you can drag around is awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <guy>. So we, <laughs> we spend so much time doing that because realistically in a city, for example, like Los Angeles, there's just not that many places where you could legally park a car and leave it. You know, if you're on the street, you'll be blocking traffic, whatever. There's just a certain set of things that a location has to pass for it to be a good shooting location. Right. And we just have such a bank of them over the years. If you look at my Google Maps, all over the world, anywhere we travel to, 
we're always marking down potential shooting locations because it, it, it's it's a weird thing in, in that it's a 2D uh, thing that we have to look for, right? It has to uh, be a place where it can actually fit a car because that's what we do as we do car photography. If you if we do something else, like if we do um, engagement photos, you know, that opens up a whole new can of worms of where you could shoot. You could pretty much shoot anywhere you want. Right. Uh, but but with car photography, it's very specific. It needs to be something where you have to be able to fit a car there. And you're and already, have, doing, you're already having a car and you're already, you know, a lot of the cars that we shoot are fairly ostentatious, right? They, they attract yeah. attention. And, you know, I've, I've had Homeland Security. What are you doing? What's up? How are you? <laughs> nice to meet you, yeah. sir. And it, it attracts that kind of attention. You got to try and mitigate all that too. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned like, okay, this is definitely going to attract the police. We're not going to yeah. do that. Yeah. And we, you know, we try our best to do everything we can to follow the rules. Um, because I mean, most of the stuff that we do is pretty low buck, uh, a lot of editorial things. And those are the things that I love to do on my own just to create notoriety, just to create something awesome. Um, just for example, like this one that we did in Chicago, I just did it because why not? You know, it's the time to do it. The streets are more empty. You know, we're still being safe. We're still you know, keeping our distance. We get tested all the time now because you know, to be on these big shoots, we have to get tested. Right. So why not, you know, take advantage of this time and, and, and create these awesome photos that potentially we can never recreate again. So what's the key to shooting and invoking motion? You seem pretty good with motion, with formula drift and everything like that and rolling shots. How do you mm. shoot motion properly? Uh, yeah, there's a, so many ways to capture motion. And uh, the two main things that I really focus on is is to capture motion by freezing it, if that makes sense. Like capture action by freezing it in that you show something that's basically potentially impossible uh, if it wasn't moving. So like if it's a jumping car, the car is going to be in the air. The car is in the air, and even if it's frozen in midair, you know that it wasn't just sitting there. You know, it was either going up or falling. Right. Uh, versus, if you're capturing the motion and you're trying to show the speed and convey the speed, that's just a fun trick with photography. Even if it's a, a car is going two, three miles per hour, you could make it look like it's going warp five. You know, right? Or whatever, mock, mock three or whatever you know <laughs> make it look like it's going really fast yeah i remember those um, that, tricks that was really popular with the bars and everything back in the day you know six seven years ago everybody's pushing around cars and parking lots yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of a fun thing to do to make it look fast but um so much of it is is storytelling and just kind of seeing what's the 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 correct way to capture a certain moment like for example if it's a drift car and it's going 100 miles per hour and it's a bunch of tire smoke and you capture it in a way where potentially everything's frozen it just looks sometimes it could look like a car that's just on fire you know because guess what it looks like a car that's just parked there and there's just a bunch of smoke coming out of it you don't know if it's tire smoke um but if you capture it in a way where you could see tire bits coming off or one wheels lifting up or um there's just so many ways you could actually show that hey this thing is actually moving pretty fast one thing that i'm gathering from listening to you talk is that you don't like to lie 
with your photography. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm getting like, I want to present this thing that actually happened. I don't want to push cars around parking lots. I don't want to. I don't want to Photoshop cars and parking lots and put them yeah. in the desert. Like all these things that you want to tell a story that actually happened. Yeah, and I think that's kind of working to our advantage as of recent. I find that more manufacturers, um, they're they're looking for potentially things that are more real. Mm-hmm. And there was a time not too long ago, even just a couple of years ago, where it seemed like more of the manufacturers like Toyota, Ford, Honda, uh, they're they're pushing for more of that hyper-realistic look. But then there's that disconnect with the consumer, right? right? So even today, Toyota posted a bunch of pictures that I uh, shot just of a, a one of local, like a local friend. He just, he built a Toyota Corolla, like an old school one. And I just went to his garage and I just snapped a couple pictures and then um, I sent them into Toyota. I, I do so much work with them and I'm so lucky that I get to do all this work with them. They just posted these pictures, it, it, basically straight at a camera of this car that's just sitting in a in a driveway. And it's, I mean, I guess it's pleasant, but it's nothing special. But part of it is that they just want to show things that are more relatable to the general consumer. Yeah, and plus that old stuff is, you know, it's heritage and you feel something. And if you can feel something about a brand, that's that's something that you can't really market. It has to happen on its own. <laughs> Yeah. And like, so recently, um, just, uh, a couple of days ago, I posted a bunch of these, uh, billboards around LA that they, Toyota started to put up, um, from some of my photography that we did for them before the shutdown. And I just remember very specifically exactly how we were able to capture these photos. We actually off-roaded the shit out of these trucks that they wanted us to shoot to get to like the top of this mountain all, to the point where we had to put on the lockers and everything to get them up there. And uh, I remember the people from Toyota, they're like, oh, are you sure you want to get them up there? You know, or are you sure you actually want to like get them that dirty or uh, actually get it that gritty? And I thought to myself, I'm like, like, this is as authentic as it gets, you know, and I'm right. so glad that they kind of give us the freedom for their advertising purposes to actually show that these trucks are actually doing what they're doing, you know, right. um, versus, like I said, not too long ago, it was all Photoshop, all let's bring in this guy, let's bring in this mountain range, let's bring in this, you know, and where's the authenticity in that, you know? So what's been the most challenging shoot for you in your career thus far as you've come through all the manufacturing, the formula drift, the, you know, the show stuff, the shooting, you know, editorial car stuff for magazines. What's the most challenging thing that you've come across? Hmm. I think um, so much of it is just, um, I guess, yeah, it's it's always a challenge for us on the logistical side. And as you guys probably know, and same thing for probably podcasts, logistically, it's a nightmare uh, for you guys to get guests, for you guys to keep you know track of your episodes or, or make sure they're coming out at the, uh, the right time. Uh, for us, the, the, the traveling, um, you know, rental cars, hotels, uh, even just getting the correct permits and, and securing this, securing that insurance, just everything is hard. It seems like, and that's the part that a lot of people don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a logistical nightmare every fucking time 
we have to pick up our camera pretty much. And I've done some stuff for, for Porsche and it's just like, we got to get this car and this car and this car. Yeah. They have to be there. Who owns these cars? We got to find the guy that owns more than one. Let's find this guy. Oh, he's got two of the cars. All right, let's get these three cars together. All right, who's going to book the flights? What days are we shooting? Where are we shooting? It is on yeah. Per, yeah, permits. Oh yeah. my God, it's endless. And it it's endless, just transportation. And then you got car prep and then you got this. And then the weather is a factor. And just me getting to the point where I can actually pick up my camera and put it to my face. It's that's already, it's, you know, by then it's easy street, you know, when I'm shooting, it's not even a big deal. Uh, generally speaking. Um, yeah. I, I, I find that the challenge is to get to that point. Once I'm actually shooting, it's just the best. It's always too much fun. So despite what, you know, we always put our best work out there, right? With our photography and stuff like that. Um, sometimes things don't work out. You know, I've screwed mm -hmm. things up, you know, mistakes happen. How do you deal with failure as a creator when you, when you don't meet your own expectations of where the work that you thought you were going to get isn't there and maybe nobody else knows you failed. It still looks good to them, but you don't meet your own expectations. How do you, how do you compress that into a, a box that you can continue to move on? Um, well, we as a team, so it's, uh, me and three other guys, I have three full-time guys that work for me day in and day out. And we travel the world together and we are all so hard on each other. Uh, we're always kind of, um, I guess, double checking each other's work, but also we're rating each other's performance all the time. And that's kind of the only way we can kind of keep it such a high level. And I'll be the first one to say, I got an F. I got an F for the day of shooting or like I got a D minus for the day of shooting. And uh, maybe it's one of those things where I just have to kind of step up my game the next day. Uh, and part of it, so much of that is, it could be a physical limitation or it could be something out of my control. But all the time we mess up all the time and it's just no way to be perfect you know even it could be something where we potentially did a shoot and then we maybe did a like a mistake during dit and we overwrote some photos or video or audio it's it's always something and uh it's just something that we have to learn from and we have to watch out for next time and we just have to keep pushing ourselves uh each other to be better. Yeah. And you've, I've heard you say, I watched a few interviews prepping for the podcast and you say that the, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not your quote. It's a, but it's a good one is the best shot you've ever taken is the one you haven't taken yet. And yes. I look at my photography that way. And I also look at driving that way. I said, everybody's always asked me, what's the best road? You know, what's the best road mm -hmm. you've ever been on? I said, it's the one I haven't driven yet. And it's the same, yeah. it's the same concept. Um, but it can be, especially when you're working, it can be hard to keep pushing forward and getting and, and striving to be better. How do you stay creative and not get stuck in this rut of just showing up to Formula D, standing in that spot in front of the fence and just shooting the car as it goes? Like the, the repetition is there. You know, it, it, yeah. it is. It's inescapable. How do you push past that and still continue to be creative? Well, it's too, I think it's too easy to, for a lot of photographers, especially, unfortunately, a lot of the old time guys, um, I, I look at their work and I, and I follow their work. And a lot of times they are very prideful of what they've done in the past and not what they're shooting now. And part of it is like, maybe they're saying, Hey, I'm more proficient back then with film cameras, or maybe the access was better or the cars were prettier, whatever. There's just so many excuses, right? Uh, for me, it's so much about, 
year after year, we have to top the year before, no matter what, at all costs. Even this year, you know, it's been a terrible fucking year for everybody, I'm sure. Um, But we have done everything we can in our power to try to be better than 2019 and uh, try to get better access, try to get better photos, try to get more stories. And I think once we lose that drive to get better photos, then that's when it's like, okay, well, are we actually doing what we love to do? Are we doing it correctly? Maybe we should do something else. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I sometimes I do the same thing. You know, I look back at some of the photos that I take, and I'm like, man, how did I even get that? It's crazy. But but then again, you know, it's you. You're your own worst critic. I'm sure you guys same way. We're all our worst critic. But but um, the best thing we can do is really just push to become better every single year in in different ways too it could be something where it's like hey maybe we sacrifice a little bit this year on the still side but maybe we got better video right so it's always improving in some way in this field i always feel like i have this imposter syndrome i don't know if you've ever heard that term before where mm-hmm. you where you just don't think you're good anymore mm-hmm. and you have to struggle mm-hmm. with this with going to work and doing something kind of uh struggling with that and then you actually do the work and you're actually you actually surprise yourself sometimes that you're like oh i i still have it i still got it it's still good because sometimes you do like you say you look back and you're like how did i ever create that amazing work i'll never be able to do that again and you know then the next good thing comes along and you do it and you satisfy yourself but it's a constant struggle yeah i could i could see that you know i've read about that too and I, I think one of the things that we've really come into or that we run into a lot more often is that we actually don't really know how to uh, achieve our goal going into a lot of these shoots um, just because a lot of these things are so out of this world or a lot of these things just haven't been done before. You know, we always love to be on the cutting edge of certain things or certain shoots or certain cars or certain stories. Um, a lot of the times, we're learning while we're doing. And I guess that's the beauty of, of all of this experience that we've uh, gained over the years. And also uh, with the equipment that we have and uh, the knowledge and the help that we have from our friends, somehow it always turns out okay. Um, And hopefully it continues to turn out okay. But we, we just love, I guess, learning on other people's time. Yeah. That's never hurts. All right. One more question for you. Um, mm-hmm. most successful people in almost any type of work have taken risks. I mean, any mm-hmm. type of, uh, success or, you know, innovation or entrepreneurship, anything has risks. Um, and people make sacrifices. What are some of the big risks you've taken or sacrifices you've made to get where you are today? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's too easy to, uh, to not invest in yourself and in your own business. You know, um, I, very, I'm not shy at all to talk about early on, I took out a loan to buy camera equipment, you know, and, and, you know, I paid it off over a certain period of time. But the point is that at one point I had to take that leap. You can't just shoot with inferior equipment, uh, on a professional level. Now I was, I always love to promote the fact that, yeah, if you have a cell phone, you can pretty much shoot and you can enjoy yourself. But if you're getting paid for it and if you want to perform at the highest level and deliver for your client, you always want to at least uh, have the the best um, uh, 
gear or, or the best tools, right? So yep. early on, I took out a loan to purchase professional Canon cameras and lenses, some of which I still have to this day. Uh, I did the same thing. How of, else are you supposed to start out when buy $20,000 worth of stuff? It's, exactly. It's and, ridiculous. And you have to. The, the crazy thing is $20,000 is a drop in the bucket now. Totally. You know, back then, yeah, you, you know, you could have got a body or two bodies and a couple lenses. Yep. But now it's like, oh, man, forget about it, especially when it comes to video. You know, $20,000 doesn't even get you a good body at all. Um, but but I guess that's just the, the, the name of the game. Are when, you going to get technology. the R5, R6, the new stuff? From Canon, I have the R5. You do? Oh, you probably got yeah. one. Yeah, we're still waiting for ours. We're we're in line, of course, with everybody else. What do you think of that thing? It's great. It, I mean, it's it's not going to replace my 1D yet. Um, for especially for action, not fast. Well, we're we're using it for its strengths, and its strengths is video, without a doubt. Uh, more and more, we have to shoot both at the same time. And it's not really so much a disadvantage anymore. It's actually an advantage for us to be able to provide both because both, you, you know, you could use it for different things and you can tell a different story with uh, both mediums. But with that said, yeah, we, we, we love using the R5. Do you think the, uh, the 8K, you're going to start being able to pull frames out of it yet and substitute for photography? Because that's what everybody like, says, right? I mean, everybody yeah, says that's, that's, the, that's the, you know, the end game. That's a great question, and I'm, you know, the answer to that is easy. It's just not the same thing at all. Completely, it's not the same thing. Um, yeah, you could potentially do something uh, if you're in a bind, if you're, uh, if you need imagery, and it doesn't need to be the utmost quality. Yeah, you can do that. But as you know, with uh, video, it's different different yep. frame rate mm -hmm. you know it's it's uh, uh especially most of them not global shutter you know not shooting raw um a lot of them are uh you know super 35 so you can't actually get the depth that you're looking for yep. uh there's just so many things and then, then then there's the shutter speed control you know i'm uh when you're when you're a still photographer you can control your shutter speed all the way from completely frozen eight thousand of a second all the way to whatever you know it, right. i have exposures that i deliver to clients that are hours long and that that's you know in introducing uh, star trails introducing light painting there's just so much uh with photography that's different with videography that just does not allow you to just substitute it just from a still grab larry is there any projects you're working on you want to tell everybody about you know we're, we're always shooting things that uh I guess we're lucky enough that we can be a part of that we can't talk about for sometimes a year in advance. Um, but um, I guess the thing that we're really doing that we're focusing on on the editorial side is the Hoonigan Autofocus channel. And that's one of the channels out of the Hoonigan Media Machine Network that we take care of. And uh, Hoonigan Autofocus is just that it's autofocus you know it's focusing on autos and also it's cars and cameras and it's just this thing that follows me around the world taking pictures of the coolest cars and events and we come out with 12 episodes a month three a week and uh yeah we haven't missed a beat since we started this channel 
Right on, man. Well, I'll put that in the show notes. And I, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with me today. I know you're busy and, and it was great to talk to you. And hopefully this, uh, this conversation has kind of inspired people and maybe given them some tips on how to be better and, and move on with photography a little bit. Yeah. If you guys want to follow my work and two things, if you guys want to follow my work, uh, and see what I'm doing day to day, definitely follow me on Instagram, you know, just type in my name, Larry Chen, and, um, it should come up. The second thing is, uh, as a gift to everybody, you know, I'm not shy about telling everyone that they can take my pictures and use them for their own personal use. Um, if you go to my website, larrychenphoto.com, I upload everything in 4K and sometimes higher, depending on uh, the photographs. But they're all available for everyone to download. And that's kind of where I put my year in review. Every single year, I put my 100 favorite photos from that year. And then it's separated uh, drift. And then also it's separated with pretty much everything else. And the point is that I just... At, when I was growing up as uh, somebody into cars or and, and when I was still just starting out in photography, I absolutely loved, love, love, love saving photos from other photographers and enjoying them and using them and looking at them and you know getting inspired by them. Unfortunately, most of them were not in high enough resolution to enjoy. Right. So with that said, uh, this is my small way of kind of giving back to, to everybody, you know, they can enjoy these photos and, you know, they can print them out, whatever they could use them for their personal usage. That's the point. Well, cool, man. I, I think that's awesome. And again, thank you for your time and take care of yourself and enjoy your travels. Thank you. Take care, buddy. We'll catch you later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. All right. That was great. I hope. Everybody uh, got something to take away from that. I know there's a lot of people, and it, I almost feel like everybody's kind of a photographer right now. And that, that has, yes, it has because kind of this, the barrier to entry to be like, I'm not, a photographer. It's not even that. It's not even that. No, everybody, no, it's not even that. Everybody likes to take good photos. I see okay? what you mean. Everybody's got their phone, their camera, whatever. And I hope everybody kind of got maybe just like a little bit of a, you know, they can rub shoulders with Larry Chan a little bit and maybe <laughs> take something from it and and be a better photographer. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually would love to get your insight, Chris, as an automotive photographer yourself. But before we do, let's talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is a Midwest manufacturer of polishing compounds and supplies that is researched, tested, and developed by professional detailers themselves. Oberk products are designed to decimate swirls, holograms, and any of the oxidation you might see in your vehicle's paint. And all their compounds are made to use with any vehicle's paint out there. Right now, Oberk is actually offering 20% off any order online with the code Overcrest. Dang. That's us. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, that discount code is good not only on OberkCarCare.com, but also on CarSuppliesWarehouse.com and DetailedImage.com. All the heavy hitters out there for where you can get your detailing supplies. Yeah, they just sent me some pad and the Stage 1, Stage 2. They sent me the big containers of the Stage 1, Stage 2, which as much as I don't like detailing cars, I'm, that's going to last me quite a while. Absolutely. So we're going to start with the truck first, I think, and see go after that single stage paint on there and see what like shiny rust looks like. Well, that was basically like my 911 on the rally. Yeah. I washed that thing for the first time basically ever. You it turns out you can polish up rust. You can. <laughs> I thought you were going to say polish a turd. I'm like, yeah, well, you absolutely can do that. Well, so Chris, we heard from Larry Chen, 
who is a great photographer, and that's not to say you aren't either, but I'd love to get some of your insights. I'm curious if what my interjection there about what makes a good photo, if there's any truth to what I said. Um, well, yeah, catching a moment is fine. Uh, sometimes you're catching, uh, you're t- when you're catching a moment, it usually has to do with something that's happening. Right. Uh, so that's not always the case. Sometimes you are just catching uh, an emotion or you're catching a scene that's beautiful or something like that. So it doesn't always have to be a moment. Maybe it's a moment for you as you're taking the, the photo that you want to remember it by, or you're trying to show, um, like with a lot of my photography, you're trying to show uh, like loneliness or obscurity or something like that sure. out in the wilderness or something like that. And you're trying to, uh, trying to convey that message. Obviously kept capturing a moment is nice, but it's not the end all. Okay. And speaking of emotion, the other question we passed along to Larry that I'll also ask you is about motion and how to capture motion in a photographer. And I I know that when you were doing some shots of my 996 Turbo on our road trip back, it I saw firsthand just how challenging it was and how much it goes into that. Can you explain how you personally capture motion in photography? The hardest thing to do with motion, it's very easy to to get a panning shot, right? You can set the shutter speed, most people set the shutter speed too fast because they don't want their photo to be blurry. Right. But let's be honest, we're not wasting film. We can <laughs> we can set the shutter speed lower. And I've actually, you know, I've screwed myself a couple of times because I want that really slow shutter speed. Let's I get want, that motion I want blur that, effect. I want to get this great motion blur. And the farther the the background, and so you have a car in the, right. in the frame, and the farther the background is from you, the slower the shutter speed needs to be to get the sense of motion that you want. So if you have trees that are really, really close to the car, you can shoot faster because the trees are close to the car. They'll seem like they're moving more. But as the distance- right. they just go the across the frame yeah. quicker. So there's, there's times where I'm like, oh, I got to really slow the shutter speed down here. I'm shooting at like a 15th of a second. And you and you just totally like, totally potato it, right? You, you just get none. <laughs> you know, the, maybe the vehicle you're riding in is too bumpy or, you know, it's, I, I shoot motion photography like I shoot a gun. Okay. So it's, it's, you have your sense of your sense of center, right? When you're shooting a gun yep. and you're, and you're breathing and you don't want to do anything grabby with the camera, right? Yep. Cause think of a, think of a 15th of a second. That's shunk, shunk. I mean, that's how long the shutter is. No, that, that's not shunk. That was much more than a 15th, Chris. Mm, no, that was about a 15th of a second. Shunk, shunk. That's a, that time period of time is there is about a 15th of a second. And it's a long period of time. You can do a lot with the camera that's wrong in that time. I see you, what you mean. You move, you twitch, you do anything wrong. It'll definitely come out of the It'll photo. It'll definitely come out of the photo. Plus, if you have, um, if you're shooting too slow and the, and the car is moving towards you and it's not moving at the same speed that you are, the back of the car and the front of the car are moving at two different speeds relative to the perspective that your lens is giving you and the perspective of what you're shooting at. So you could have a, uh, an effect where the front of the car is in focus and the rear car is not in focus. Sometimes you want that type of thing. Sure. Sometimes you don't. But uh, it's really all about experimentation. Yeah. And don't be afraid to get shots that don't work. Well, you know, like you said, now that most people aren't shooting film anymore, it's not like you're wasting anything. Right. And it's the, the best way you can get motion is to have things close to the car. You know, whether it's trees, buildings, sure. gotcha. other, other cars, whatever it is that you're doing, the closer things are to the car, the object that you're shooting, the faster it will appeal that it, appear that it's going at the shutter speed in which you're shooting. Gotcha. So last question that I didn't ask Larry because I don't want it to seem, I, it, I just didn't feel like asking him, right? Okay. But I'm asking you and putting you on the spot. What is your closest call hairiest moment while shooting? Because some of these times when you're shooting, especially like motorsport or anything with a lot of motion, you're either hanging out the side of a car or you're really close to action happening. Do you have any close calls or hairy moments? No. Really? I've, I've always been careful. 
I've that ever, is the boor- most boring I'm answer so sorry. I've ever I, it's, heard. It's, you have to be careful when you're doing this. You're hanging out of cars. I just know that as a professional, you wouldn't want to necessarily admit that either. So that's I why I didn't like pose it to Larry. But I feel, I've almost fallen out of a car. If that's well, that seems bad. So I had my arm wrapped around a seatbelt, and I was holding onto the seatbelt. It's belt. like that scene from Mission Impossible. I don't know the scene, but oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And and it and it yanked my shoulder and hurt my shoulder because I was going to fall out of the car, but I had a hold of the seatbelt, so it wasn't really a hairy moment, but. Okay. You know, it's you just have to be very careful, especially yeah. you know if you're gonna fall. Well, out and of maybe the back that is the van. best answer because that's a good reminder to people as you're going out doing this yeah, shooting you cars. Be, you have, you to, have be to be careful. So another question I have for you is, <laughs> it seems so conceptual and yet so obvious. Is photography is all about lighting? All you're doing is capturing light. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with it when there are situations when there's poor lighting or you're shooting in the dark or damn near dark? Available lighting is is my favorite way to shoot. Is just natural, natural available light. Sometimes sure. you use strobes and stuff like that to to accentuate cars or add light to it. Um, it's it's all in the planning, really. You know, it's it's seeing things ahead of time, or and it really does come down to experience. Yeah, is knowing what time of day it is. When does the sun come up? Um, I remember the few times I've been out there with you when you're shooting. It's like, oh, golden hour is approaching. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what? It, it seems fine. You're like, nope, it's done. I'm like, it's over. let's go. Move, move. Let's go. Yep. Let's go. Run, it's, run. Get out of the shot. We got no- yep. it, it is. It is very fleeting that 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 very, you know, this golden hour, right? Is what it's right. called. Golden and it's hour. not an hour. No, it is Turns not. out. No, no, it is not. It's about, I mean, you have, for what we were doing that one time when we were shooting your yellow 996 in, in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, right. it was a very, very particular time. But you have, what I usually will do, and this is kind of the lo- logistics of doing a shoot, is rolling shots come last because you can have a slower shutter speed. You can capture more light when you're shooting at a 15th or a 30th of I a see second. What you mean. Sure. Whereas if you're shooting stills, you need them to be tack sharp. You're shooting a still shot. You need the shutter speed to be up a little bit. So you shoot those first, shoot the rolling shots second. And unless you're trying to get like a backlit sun in the shot, something like that. So right. it all kind of varies depending on what you want the shoot to be. I always try to go, if I can, what do I want this shoot to be? Mm-hmm. Where And you can kind of, for example, there's... Um, when I was doing the the shoot for Triple Zero, well, I was out with Lee Keen traveling with those guys. Right. I wanted to somehow get a shot where I could see all the cars. Right. And that's hard when you have eight cars and you're all doing something, you're all driving around. But I the whole day I'm like, I need the shot. I want to get the shot. As Larry right. said, he's like willing it to happen. Right. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm thinking about. It, I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Thinking about it. And we went around this hair per, hairpin and it was super foggy. And I said, Let me out of the car. What? What? Let me out of the car right now. Because I know they were going to the top of the hill and yep. they were coming back down. So uh, let me out of the car. I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to wait for you guys. Don't spend too long up there because I still want the fog, which is burning off. I'm going to wait here. And I got this shot of them coming down this hairpin. And I should post it in the show notes or something so people can see what I'm talking about. But the the, the lead car was around the bend already. And all right. the other cars were coming slowly around this hairpin. And you can see one car parallel in the middle or perpendicular to me. And then all the other cars wrapping around this hairpin as they were driving through. Because I didn't want to pose the cars. I just right. didn't. I didn't. And, well, it's like what you talked about at authenticity. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's that, what that's, Larry said, too. That's a moment, right? That's sure. something that happened. I didn't have to stage that. I didn't have to, you know, make it up. Sometimes you do have to do that stuff. But right. I really like it when it just happens. So I'd been looking all day for a shot to get all the cars together. And so you're constantly looking, you know, looking, looking, looking. And you saw the, the Instagram post I made the other day where I'm like, I can't turn it off. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking for, I'm looking for light. I'm looking for symmetry. I'm looking for asymmetry. I'm that looking is for exhausting. Balance. It is, it can be. 
Cause no. I've tried to push myself lately to just do better with even like Instagram photos and mm -hmm. just like be more aware of photogenic moments or like you were saying, just, just moments where you can capture that are worth capturing. Right. And my mind doesn't work that way. I'm it's, not practiced enough. It, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's a talent, right? It's, it's why there's, I'll, people are like, oh, well, it's becoming so easy to be a photographer. These intro level cameras are like $4 out of a gumball machine. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't care. That doesn't, you, you're not buying who, competition. Who was it who said the uh, most important part of a camera is the 12 inches behind it? Yeah, yeah. Or in your case, maybe less. <laughs> I don't have a flat face, Chris. We're talking about the depth of a head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope you really liked our interview with Larry Chen. Please go to patreon.com slash overcrest. Support the show. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe. Do all the things. We really appreciate it. We will see you guys on Friday. Take care.